Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, the podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available for download on our website. Grove Dodger? I got, I got no words. It's <laughs> so ridiculous. I'm keeping it. That's that's the that's the intro this week. A little dairy Murbles. Oh my gosh! Uh, that's what happens when we miss a week, and we're back in the studio recording this podcast. So, uh, and I'll just keep going. So, if you've actually tuned in and you've stuck with us so far, thank you. Uh, but we also do like to take time and answer questions uh, as much as we can on a weekly basis. Uh, so, if you have those questions, we'd love for you to send them in to us. Uh, you can do that one of two ways. One is via email. You can email us at infogrove.church, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State, uh, and would love for you to DM us with those questions in hand. So, absolutely, that's and the deal. This week we uh, we actually don't have a question and answer section. It's, no. we're, we're a little bit more lax this, this week. This is a little bit of a different week. We did this once last year, um, and most of you, our listeners, actually reviewed it pretty highly. I think they have some good feedback People for it. People liked it. Um, so we decided to bring it back one more week, mainly because we've talked about a lot uh, of what we're currently in the reading plan right now. Um, over the last year, we've kind of hit some of the major, major things. And so uh, I told Evan, I said, we should just take a, a, a week where we just kind of highlight, here's what we're thinking about. Here's what, you know, what we're reading and what is kind of, I guess, stirring and churning in our minds and hearts. And I thought that would be a fun, a fun add to the week. So I hope you enjoy it. Oh yeah. And before we get started, uh, just because we know we, we normally do reviews at the end yes. when we're going into, uh, the question and answer portion. But since we're not doing it this week, I figured we can highlight a couple of them this week that came in over the last, I guess, few weeks now, because we missed a week and then we had our- We recorded our, last week. Last week, yeah, last week we recorded, but I didn't think about it. I was it. tougher than you. It's true. You just have You that. had COVID and it's like, I got to go home. I can't record. <gasps> and I'm like, I got COVID. It's like, let's do this thing. No, I'm just kidding. I think my symptoms were- <laughs> I think- They, they were worse than the, mine were. The day before we recorded, that was oh. a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, so we got uh, two five-star reviews. Hey, one thank from, you so much. One from Grandpa Steve. Hey, so Grandpa thank you. Steve. Thank you, Grandpa Steve. Uh, and then one from S-R-U-O-Y. So I don't know. Sorry? No, Sur- I'm just kidding. Surio. I don't know if that's supposed to be pronounced or not. Or but just an acronym of some sorts, but. There you go. Uh, but she actually thanks us for uh, helping her just kind of like she's feeling lonely right now with all the stuff going on. New mom. She says it's been a really great thing to listen to the podcast. And honestly, that means a lot. So yeah, thank for you. sure. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for for reviewing and leaving a five star. That's awesome. We it's, appreciate that. It's great to remember, um, you know, because you see like numbers pop up when you look at like, you know, the back end analytics and stuff, but it's nice to remember like, oh yeah, we're actually talking to people. It's not just like speaking into mics and, <laughs> and then it's it nice goes on the internet. That you feel included in the conversation. I think that's a big thing too. Sometimes I've listened to podcasts for the last, I don't know how many ever years of my life. And there's times where I just think it's information being spit out, but the way Evan and I are wired, we we just kind of banter back and forth. And I think that's that's kind of the hope that we bring in is if you were sitting in this room having a conversation with us, we would have the same kind of dynamic that we have right now, but you would totally be involved too. So uh, I'm glad to th- I'm glad to hear that. Thanks for leaving those reviews. We appreciate that. Yep. So with with no <clears throat> with no further ado, uh, this is what we've been thinking about yes. the sequel. And the reason this the is sequel. the reason this is here is because we looked at uh, what's going on 
in the Bible reading plan this week, and we've done episodes on all of the books. Pretty much all of the content. most of the major characters, yeah. So, Well, not all the content, but yeah, a good, a all good the big hitters, yeah. And so we decided just to kind of take a break. Uh, we're just going to talk through a couple of the different biblical themes that mm-hmm. we've been wrestling through recently, have a little bit of a conversation, and then go from there. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this one like last year. Yeah, this um, will be loosey-goosey in some respects, but... It's fun too. So yeah, it's almost like it. It's almost like an inside conversation, or in, you get a sneak peek behind the veil about how Evan and I pretty much are talking, and we are wired to talk about stuff anyway. So right, you're welcome. There you go. Okay, so I mean, do you want to start? Yeah, you know, you go first. Bro. I go first. Yeah. Okay, so for me, um, and this will come as no surprise to anyone, but it, we're getting to the end of me talking about Job uh, because. We're doing a spring discipleship thing right now, so I'm working through all the notes on that every week. But then once that's over, I think. I might still be a little bit obsessed, but I'll stop talking about it on the podcast as much. I'll move on to other things because, you know, there's other books of the Bible. There's 65 other ones and they're great. So (laughs) when I texted Evan, just so you guys know, I texted him and said, hey, what if we do this? I said, wait, are you still reading Job? (laughs) He's like, oh, always. Uh, Because he's doing the discipleship right now for this session of our spring, we're doing Zoom discipleship. So I just laugh a little bit, but... But yeah, for me, it's interesting because a lot of it's it's fun to um, it's fun to be able to talk through it with a group of people because they bring up they bring up questions that, you know, I don't think of as I'm reading through the book. So I've written it's funny because I've written, I think, multiple blog posts about it just because of questions that have come up. But one of them was a lady saying, and it's a great question to wrestle through is I just am having a really hard time with the fact that God would allow all of these things to happen just to prove a point to Satan. And that really is one of the... Dang, that's a, t- that's a right? question, bro. Like, that's a question. And what it's, what it's forcing me to do a little bit is to actually step back and look at how do we value certain things in modern Western, uh, even like a modern American culture... And how does that contrast with the biblical view of things? So one hmm. one thing, for instance, I think is, I've said this a lot and it's kind of like a cheesy thing, but like I always get um, like a little bit emotional in Return of the King, the movie, when like <laughs> there's that scene where the Rohirrim charge in at the end, which like I'm nerding out a little bit. But, um, and the reason it always hits me a little bit is because it's a, it's a very modern idea that me and Aaron can sit here talking and in the back of our heads, we're never thinking about the fact like, well, we'll probably have to go to war and probably die to defend our homes one day. And that, and the, yeah. that's this generation, maybe the last couple generations, but that's it. Like for the rest of human history, it was very much expected, um, particularly for men, that at, at some point you will have to fight and put your life on the line just yeah. to protect the the people you love. And so... There's this relationship with death that we have that most of humanity never had, where we think of it as being the ultimate tragedy that should at all costs be avoided. Um, and that's not to say that it's not tragic, and that's not to say that um, it's not a terrible thing, and it's it's a it's a byproduct of sin entering the world. But I think when you when you, we read through the Bible and even just history in general. They they had a much healthier um, consciousness hmm. that the end was coming, and I think it's even obvious. Like when you look at uh, music, so for modern Christian music, I can't think of the last song that talks about the idea of oh, and we'll die one day. But if yeah. you look at the hymns, they all have a verse about dying well, 
uh, my favorite story about this, and he's uh, he's been gone for a while now, but there was um, a man in the church named John Eilander mm-hmm. who who died probably eight or nine years ago now. Uh, I think it was six or seven. Six or seven. Okay. Oh, I guess you were. Yeah. You yeah. Were so I've been happened. here. I've been here about eight. This will be nine years long. Okay. But, so I've known. I knew him for a couple of years before he passed away. Because I remember it, he was a. I, not he. I was. I was a janitor on staff at the time uh, when he passed away, and I remember going to his funeral because I was um, going to be cleaning up afterward and all that different stuff, and it was. Just this, it, it was, it was, there was, almost, there was no sadness. Yeah. It was just really beautiful, um, just tribute to a man of God. And I, I, did, I swear I didn't see a single tear the entire time. That's probably not true. Um, but it really did just feel like this celebration of a life well lived. Yeah. And I think we had, we had such a conscious idea of that for so much of our history and we've gotten away from it because we, 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 we run away from death as much as possible. And yeah. that's not to say that that's, that's a very human thing, but we just, we put off really thinking about it. We put off thinking about the fact that like, well, what does it mean to die? Well, what yeah. does it mean to to live my life in a way that I can get to the end? And it, it wasn't perfect, but I, I can, I can, um, Steve Zach, Zach Kwani spoke at a men's conference a couple of years ago, but the way he, he used it was, uh, I can die empty hmm. or this idea that I've given everything that I can give and I don't have, regrets, at least in that part. And so I think with, and so to bring this back to the question about Job, I think we, we think of God as not being allowed to do certain things when God has ultimate power over the universe. Mm -hmm. And there's something that is more desirable than our comfort or even our lives. And that is the glory of God. And I should have brought the book with me. It's like in my office. So it's just like right down there. But Christopher Ash has a quote and he wrote a, a commentary on Job that I really like. It's the preaching the word one that Aaron, Aaron likes Got those you, commentaries. Um, but he says, I'm, I'm super paraphrasing right now, but essentially that the, the work that the Satan is doing is in some way incredibly necessary for the story of God hmm. in that through Job's suffering and his refusal to curse God, it will be demonstrated that God is worth worshiping, not just because of what He gives us, but because of who He is, and the way in the way that God is glorified ultimately outweighs everything else. And so the idea, and again, that's a really paraphrased quote. I wish I had it in front of me, <laughs> but uh, the idea really is that we have we. I think we've taken the glory of God and we put it in second where we would say like, well, yeah, God, obviously I want you to be glorified, but not if that means like anything has to happen to me. And the whole story of Job is about these tragic things happening to Job and the entire time through realizing that, well, God allowed it all to happen. And that's, it's kind of an interesting thing when you read through the book that Job never once questions who, who let this happen? It's never like the Satan is never mentioned again after chapter two and the thieves and the robbers and the raiders and all of them are never mentioned again after chapter two. Um, Cause the story really is about the character of God and the fact that God allowed these things to happen. And is it right that God allowed them to happen? Is it right that God allowed Job's children to die? Is it right that God allowed uh, Job's wealth to all dissipate? And the answer ultimately is yes, because the glory of God is so much more desirable than anything else that we can hold on to. Um, I actually pulled up the quote because I forgot I had it in my notes. So this is the real Christopher, Christopher Ash quote, but he goes, uh, the Satan is not bullying God, nor is he offering him a casual wager as though Job's sufferings were just to see who wins a bet in heaven. 
know the Satan for all of his malice is doing something necessary to the glory of God. In some deep way, it is necessary for it to be publicly seen by the whole universe that God is worthy of worship of worship of of the worship of a man, and that God's worth is in no way dependent on God's gifts. So that's the quote. Wow. I thought. I mean, that's like my favorite quote I read in all the commentaries. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in the first chapter, I was like, "Oh, that's great." Um, but that's what I've been thinking about, just kind of wrestling wrestling through that reality, and then in my life, am 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 I? willing to learn the lessons of Job in the sense of like, God, however you would like to be glorified in me, let's do it. And that's a really hard question, right? Because Job probably never understood, even during his lifetime, the amount of glory that his his suffering would be bringing to God. I like to think that like right now he's in heaven, he has a, a full understanding of the legacy of those moments. But I think for a lot of us, we nominally say that we desire God's glory, but we don't really... We don't sit in our pain and think through how can this glorify God or imagine the ways in which this will glorify God or think about, well, because I'm walking through this one day, I'll be able to help someone who's walking through this. I'll be able to point them back to God. I'll be able to pull them back from the brink. But instead, when pain comes into our life, our first instinct is to just run away from it as fast as possible or to solve it as fast as possible. So there you go. I was rambling a little bit. Sorry about that. No, I I think, dude, I think you're absolutely right, man. I think... um, and our and I say this for from American's perspective, but I would even say um, this plays into more wealthy societies and wealthy countries. Is we are we are adverse to anything that would come at our our wealth, our comfort um, levels. And so I, I agree with you. I think that there, <clears throat> excuse me, needs to be a, a a more a stronger diligence in. In, in my own life, but I think in, in the lives of, of, of Christians to, to readily assess on a regular basis, where am I living for my own glory and where am I living for God's glory? Because I think you're right. I think mm-hmm. we, have, we have taken God's glory and put it second to our own glory and comfort and status and uh, achievements and success and what we can gain. Um, because it's not even like, for me, it's it's not even the question of what I walk through pain wise, I'm going to be able to walk someone else through it later. But at the end of the day, like if I walk through pain, I may never get the opportunity to walk people through and point them to Jesus. But that doesn't negate the pain and what God was teaching and wanting to reveal to me in the depth of my pain and the depth of my suffering. And, and I think having that picture of like, God, how can I glorify you is, is, is such a deeply profound and challenging question. And that question by that lady in your group, man, is, I love it. Like I, I love. Like for me, those questions, and I know you are the same way. But like those questions are what like churn and right. stir and bring life into what what we're processing. So I love that, man. So good. Um, it's funny because mine, the, the the thought that I have, I've I just recently finished the book of Daniel. Nice. Um, and Daniel's a great book. I mean, the first six chapters are are phenomenal stories that we're all very familiar with. And Daniel the Lion's Den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or something, something and Benny. Um, Shadrach and Benny. Thank you. Whatever. From, from Veggie Tales. The chocolate um, bunny. But then you get to chapter seven through 12 and it really is like a paradigm shift right. where all of a sudden you hear, you read these stories of God's just provision and the, the faithfulness of God's people. Um, the interesting thing about Daniel is that he's not, he didn't do anything flashy. He didn't do anything like magnificent except 
refused to bow to the image of the king. Not, except not being eaten by lions. But, but he didn't even do that, right? The only thing that he did that he's well known for is refusing to bow down and worship the idol and the image of the king. Right. And the, the, the other leaders that were jealous of him and didn't like him set up this trap because they knew Daniel's rhythms and routines. So Daniel maintained his faithfulness to pray, to pray facing Jerusalem, which is still significant in its own right, because there is this deep mourning that existed because Jerusalem was in a ruin. So when he's facing Jerusalem, it's this constant reminder of like, God, you said you will rebuild your temple. God, you said you will redo. Like he, he was anticipating the renewal of the city of God. But Daniel was also a prophet. He wasn't just someone who served in the king's court, had high favor, um, he was also a prophet. And right. so then we, in the, in verses seven and 12, which is really where my, my heart and my mind have been at recently is the prophetic nature of the things that we are, are very difficult to read and understand. Um, and so for me, it was, it, it's really intriguing and interesting to have read through this book that has some parallel to revelation. There's um, a, yeah, there's a lot in there. <laughs> and, and revelation is the way that I'm, I'm understanding it is the continuation of some of the prophetic m- words in Daniel. There's a moment where Daniel at the end in, in chapter 12, where Daniel's asking for clarification. What does all this mean? And then angel of the Lord, which is Christ, a Christophany, which is the moment of like Jesus shows up and has conversations. Um, Christophany means Jesus showing up in yeah, the Old Testament. in the Old Testament. So it's, a, it's an Old Testament revelation of Jesus showing like in the flesh, not the flesh, but the spirit. All that to say, Jesus says to him, don't worry about, don't, don't uh, worry about these. It's sealed for a time that's yet to come. And Daniel up to this point had had some clarity given to him by, I, I wish I, I was telling Evan as I'm reading through some things, I wish I could just read this entire section, um, but I can't because I don't have time. But the interesting thing about it is when Daniel had the conversation with Jesus and Jesus says, hey, don't worry about these things. From now on, you've already seen, we've already given you the prophetic words. These things are going to happen, but they're not going to happen in your lifetime. So in essence, Daniel was just told, don't concern yourselves with the end of these, just be faithful and diligent and speaking what I told you to speak, but go on, live your life and live a good life and honor me and serve me and die peacefully. I wouldn't mind that. Like if I'm being (laughs) honest with you, like God, okay, give me a glimpse of the future, but then tell me it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Um, And I think part of the reason why this is so fresh in my mind and my heart right now is because of the the current setting of the culture we're in. Uh, You even mentioned it right before we started recording. Like there's such a polarization when it comes to this vaccine. Like a very extreme side of Christianity says it's the mark of the beast. I just talked to a a couple people last week about whether or not the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Spoiler alert, it's not. But like in just for, because every few years there's something. There's always something, right? Here's the thing. In Revelation, the mark of the beast is not a surprise. Like no, it's not exactly. A, it's not a thing like I love you, Lord, and all. It's like no, no like, I'm going to hell now. <laughs> like it's something that people are very conscious That's of what happened. they're doing, and it comes after the Antichrist is revealed. Also true. That's the other side of it. The Antichrist is yet to be revealed. Now it doesn't mean it can't happen in our lifetime. Let's just be honest for a second. And that's part of what the passage, part of the chapter of Daniel that I, I kind of have just been wrestling through. Uh, Daniel chapter eleven has this dual reality of what's to come. And for Daniel, it was what's to come and then what's to come again. For us, it's what has happened and then what's to come at the end times right. with, with the Antichrist. And, and so as I was reading through it, I just, I loved it because there was a line in this, this, this uh, commentary, which is again, the preaching the word commentary. Um, side note, I totally gave it like a three-star review and complained about it. Whoa. 
Because this Aaron. Is, so this is before they updated the version. Like they didn't revise it. And so there's so many f- stinking typos and so many different issues on the Kindle version of this that I was like really annoyed you as hear I'm that? reading through it. Kent Hughes? It wasn't Kent Hughes who wrote it. So no, no problem with Kent Hughes, but um, it definitely was disappointing as I was reading through it. So all of that to say, the thing that, and I'll just read this paragraph um, from this commentary because I think it's important. And then, oh, I, w- I really wish I could read all of it. So maybe one day we'll be able to grab coffee if you want to, and I can process through all of it with you. But it says this, the purpose of Daniel 11. Now, Daniel 11 has two different crises. One is talking about the end of the city of Jerusalem when Nero will, will overwhelm and sack Jerusalem. And there's a, a New Testament conversation that alludes to Daniel 9 and Daniel 11, but it says that this, it, in those times, it will be bad for a mother to be pregnant with child. I, I can't remember where, where exactly in yeah. Matthew is. Matthew, maybe 11, but I could be wrong on and this that. Is the, this is the fall of Jerusalem happening in AD 70. Yes. And so that's the first half. The first crisis that Daniel 11 alludes to is that crisis. And so this, this prophetic word is then fulfilled before uh, b- before you and I even existed. So the beauty of it is, and this is one of the things that the, the author of this commentary said is like, we get to celebrate God's fulfillment and sovereignty in fulfilling the prophetic word he gave Daniel hundreds of years prior. And so as you read Daniel 11, you'll see two different things. It says this, I'll read this quote. It says, the purpose of Daniel 11 is to prepare God's people for two great crises to come. I just said that. The first crisis was a persecution, uh, crisis was a persecution of God's people by Antiochus Epiphanes. The first crisis came about in the year 170 BC, recorded for us in Daniel 21 to 35. We will study this crisis in the next chapter. That's what he alluded to. But he says this, the second crisis will be the persecution of God's people by the Antichrist. Now he calls him the epiphany. That's just something this author did. But he talks about it. Um, He says the second crisis will occur just prior to the return of Christ. And then is recorded for us in 1136 to 12.3. So we see these pictures. It says the verses show us that the resurrection of the righteous dead, the rapture occurs after the tribulation under the Antichrist rule. We will study the second in the next chapter. Here's why I read this passage. Here's why I read this section. Because it's important for you and I as Christians. And I'm, the more that I'm reading through this, the more that I'm processing, the more I realize I have to be ready as a follower of Christ for what's to come. So I understand the signs that are pointing to the arrival of Jesus. The mark of the beast is a great conversation here. The the tribulation, the antichrist, all of these things are signs that God has given us. And we see them fulfilled in the first half of Daniel by the desecration and the destruction of Jerusalem, the city of God by Nero. Mm -hmm. But then we also are told an antichrist will show up, which in and of itself is crazy to think about because it's, it's the Satan showing himself in human flesh, dying. He's trying to mimic what Jesus did. And everybody will be wooed and everybody will be surrounded except those who know truth and know what those signs point to. And that's the fact that Jesus is coming again as Christians. And it kind of goes back into what you were saying a little bit with Job is understanding we are not called to live in the moment. We're not called to live now with only that being our viewpoint. We're called to live with the end in mind. We're called to understand that our hope is not in the present time in the present world. Our hope is in eternity with Jesus. Yeah. And and as we read through, like, and because how much how many times have you and I heard the stigma about prophetic work in scripture? How many times have we like, I just don't get it. It scares me, or I'm just it's just so far hard for me to understand. I was in that boat. Even as a pastor, I was like, I'm not gonna touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. And then I read Revelation a couple of years ago and I was like, man, like this book is incredible. And I have so much joy and anticipation 
of the fulfillment of God's justice against sin. As God's people, as as God's me being God's people, not just me, but I don't I'm not going to face the wrath that's being spoken about in Revelation. I will face persecution in some way shape or form. And if the antichrist shows up in my time, then that means there's going to be a season where he's wooing and Christians are flocking to him because he's going to be deceitful, manipulative, and and very very charismatic and cunning. I mean, that's what uh, the what the Antiochus Epiphanes. That's that's what he was. He wooed people and mm-hmm. convinced them to do what he wanted them to do, even though he didn't have the throne. He usurped the throne in his time of uh, this time of Daniel, just simply by charisma. So there's a point where there will be this this period of peace and support and love for Christians. But then there's going to be a switch being flipped, and then there's going to be persecution from the same guy, the same Antichrist. And I don't say that to create fear. I say that, like, these are indicators for me that, God, I'm anticipating your return because you win. At the, at the end of the day, you win. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important as Christians, as we read through prophetic literature, as we read through scripture, to not just take the good high points that we can understand and feel a little good about, but to dig into the uncomfortable things to dig into things that we don't understand and don't know and don't just distance ourselves from them because it's uncomfortable. And this is where it's funny. Like when you first start talking about, cause we didn't know what we were going to talk about. It's true. But when you start first start talking about the discomfort of pain and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much our lives. <laughs> like, we distance <laughs> ourselves from things that are uncomfortable, unsettling and painful. And, and on one hand, my heart is heavy for the end times to hit. But on the other hand, my heart is hopeful because Jesus, I want to be with you, and I'm going to look to you at the end of the day. Uh, no pun intended. That that's I think at the end of the day, like that's what we should be about as Christians is understanding what our hope really is in, not in the momentary provisions, not in the momentary favor of God, not in the momentary realities, but in the eternal promise and the eternal justification and the eternal reality that we're all that we're all walking towards, whether we like it or not. Uh, and so that that's kind of like where I'm at, and it's. I feel like I've rambled more than you. Uh, we have about, looking at the clock, we have about an equal time of rambling right now. Well, praise God for that. <laughs> but I just think it's really important to, to to really wrestle through that as Christians. Like the prophetic literature is not meant to scare us. Jesus did not give us this word. God did not inspire these words for us to be scared. He gave us, he gave us scripture for us to be prepared, for us to be encouraged, and for us to be able to know right and, or truth from lie. And, and as Christians, we have a due diligence to maintain that as a priority in our lives. So It's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, so there's two things you said that got my mind going. So one was referring to Jerusalem as the city of God. And then the other one is when you said, um, with prophetic literature, it's not just focusing on things here in the moment, but it's focusing on the eternal truths. And I think it's interesting because in history, we've seen both of those things play out and how important they are. So for to to start with kind of the historical context, there's been it's it seems as though every time we as humans or we as followers of of Yahweh focus on material things or mortal things, God kind of allows them to be put away. So for instance, Jerusalem is kind of the center of God's presence. Mm-hmm. Well, in 8070, he lets it be completely, um, not permanently destroyed, but it's, the temple's not back. Yeah, and no, the temple absolutely. hasn't been back for that long. 
Um, and the reason the city of God thing made me think about it is because uh, Augustine famously refers to um, after the fall of Rome, he writes about the idea that it, this was the city of God. It was the center of Christianity and then it falls. And I think you could even call um, – there's so many different there's so many different ways in which this happens because eventually like you know the Holy Roman Empire kind of takes over that and that eventually breaks apart and then you have I think you could even say with the Catholic Church um, being this kind of center of Christianity in this in the sense of uh, a man-made institution or at the very least a uh, an institution run by run by humans and that kind of breaks apart and all of a sudden now you have this real fracturing of Christianity where there now there's just a bajillion denominations as far as yeah. like and, and this idea of interpreting the Bible itself. All of these different uh distractions almost of the moment and losing sight of eternal things and God kind of allows those things to be put away. Um, I think the same thing is probably going to, it'll happen eventually with the US, right? Where yeah. I think <laughs> the, the nation is kind of like almost the center of Christianity, not necessarily a... Uh, um. Like there's no pilgrimages or anything like that, but for a long time it was kind of considered the cultural center of Christianity, and now we're seeing it. Uh, well, it's not that anymore. No, yeah, we're moving into a very post-Christian society. Um, there's much different pockets around the world, and eventually, I think, uh, I think the fall of the U.S. Whenever that happens, it's going to be viewed very similar to the way that Augustine uh, talks about the fall of Rome being felt. Um, but all that to say, with pr- prophecy, it, it makes me think about just the idea of the the danger of prophecy or not the danger of prophecy, the danger of human interpretation of prophecy is that we get so hung up on um, the details Mm -hmm. of interpretation that we lose sight of the eternal perspective. And this is exactly what happens to the Pharisees in the time of Jesus, right? They're so hung up on their particular interpretation of who the Messiah is going to be and what the Messiah is going to do. That it's, it's funny. We're watching, uh, um, the Chosen right now, which is which is a really good TV show. Um, but it's the scene where the man at um, I forgot the name of the pool, but the the lame man Salome Salome that sounds right. Uh, but he's you know he's been there for years and he's trying to get in. And he's he's never healed, and then Jesus just asks him, you know, do you want to be healed? And he gets up and walks. And what's incredible, and this happens all throughout the Gospels, is the Pharisees watch this happen. Like the Pharisees are like that's. It's a, freaking Messiah is right in front of you doing miracles, um, calling people to repentance, talking about this is the fulfillment of God's plan. But they were so wrapped up in their own mortal interpretations of the prophecy of scripture that Hmm. they couldn't see the Messiah when he was right in front of their faces. And I think we do that today as well. For sure. Um, And so I think it's with, with all of prophecy, with Revelation and with Daniel, it's this idea of keeping the eternal perspective of like, God, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do. And in the places where it's confusing, God, I can't wait to see how eventually this is going to yeah. be made clear. Because so many of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus are very unclear until Jesus comes. And then you're Absolutely. like, oh, like that's okay. That's what it means. And I think it's going to be the same thing when we get to the other side of eternity or when Jesus comes back. There's so many parts of the Bible we're going to be like, oh, oh, that cl- you clever God. That's maybe that's a little flippant but you, you know what i mean you like clever you, little guy yeah. but just that whole idea of um yeah keeping our minds focused on the eternal truths of scripture the eternal truths of god well and that say. and that's i mean the guy the guy who wrote this commentary he did a great job um i just like whoever edited it after him didn't do a good job um his name's rodney you kent rodney stortz is the guy who wrote the actual commentary um and he said the same thing like it's it's 
we have to guard against interpreting prophetic literature where it has yet to be interpreted. And we also, we provide and we see clear, like we can say Daniel 11, two through whatever has been fulfilled because we see in history after the fact, it has been fulfilled. We see that the Antichrist and the prophetic literature of the second half of Daniel 11 has yet to be fulfilled. And we see the compliment in Revelation, uh, shoot, I can't remember what chapter now, but we see, really it's most of Revelation, but we see that compliment as well, like it will be revealed when it's time to be revealed. Mm -hmm. And you will then, as you can, and this is why for me, again, my plea was, is that we wouldn't run away from difficult reading of scripture and prophetic literature, that we would do our due diligence to, to try and understand what is it alluding to? What are the signs it's talking about? One of the things he actually said in, in this commentary is to, to, it would, it would do Christians well to jot down. I think it's revelation eight. There's, there's signs, specific signs that God has given us in revelation eight that we as Christians have been given to be aware of the times so we can see signs leading us that way. I, I could, based upon what I've been reading lately, but I could I'm a, I feel more prepared for what could happen. So when someone asks me about the mark of the beast, I'm able to be educated and respond biblically because I know the Antichrist has not yet been revealed. And it's not it's not going to be like all of a sudden he shows up on the scene. It's like, oh, that's the Antichrist. It's Nikolai Carpathia. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, shout out to Left Behind series. Um, good job, Kirk Cameron. You didn't write it, but Tim LaHaye wrote it. So you made it famous. <laughs> Kirk Cameron made it famous. Um, <laughs> I was free. To, sorry, this is totally random. There was this meme that popped up somewhere, and it was like, uh, um, with uh, with Revelation, are you like post-millennial, pre-millennial? What's your deal? Like, oh, I'm a Tim LaHaye and Jerry Hughes. <laughs> but if you don't know what you're referencing, there are a bunch of uh, really bad Christian movies from the 90s. Well, so, there were books first. Books, then movies. Yeah, it was a book, and then there was then like two teen, or three books. A teen book series. There oh, there was a, was a teen. I forgot I, about that. I read one. that when I was in middle school, dude. Yeah, you awesome. want to freak someone out. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, all that to say, I think, I think it's it's so... I mean, I love, and I'm going to read this because I'm just thinking of it. I just think it's such a brilliant way for us to be challenged. And as we read through scripture, we're not always going to understand and know everything, but it's still our job to read so that way then when the time is right, the Holy Spirit will bring to revelation, not the book of revelation, maybe, it, but not, but reveal to us the fulfillment of the signs prophesied. Uh, and so this is, this is the end of Daniel chapter 12. Uh, this is Daniel who's standing before uh, on a riverbank, and he has this interaction with the Christophany there with Christ. Um, he said, I heard but did not understand, so I asked, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these things? And he said, go on your way, Daniel, for the words are secret and sealed until the time of the end. Oh, Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. None of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. From the time the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. And then he goes on kind of provides some specifics, right? Mm -hmm. Three and a half year period of time. But I just, it's so, it's so crazy to me. Like, go on your way, Daniel. <laughs> like, this is going to be so. And then we see this, the scroll with the seals that is referred to in Daniel in the book of Revelation. And we see Christ who's triumphant, who's the only one worthy to break the seals. He is the one who is the fulfillment of prophetic of the prophetic pieces of Daniel and then also in Revelation. So I think it's important, again, for us to be diligent in our study of scripture and not to shy away from the things that are hard because God is good. Yep. He is faithful. He is, his ways are not our ways. 
and he's trustworthy. And so we can continue to trust him even when we don't understand things fully. So anyways, well, I think not so, going in circles, but yeah, I think, I think to, to wrap it up, it's interesting that both of the books that we're really into right now, the, the message of them is you can say it's kind of the same where it's, um, you're not going to understand everything that's going yep. on, but you need to trust me. That's, that's the answer that God gives to Job. And that's the answer that Daniel. <laughs> God and that's the answer Jesus well. gives to the disciples. Like that, that's a very strong theme throughout scripture in its entirety. Right. But the yeah, desire, absolutely. the desire for us to be fully aware of everything is a very, um, the sinful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> sinful desire, but it's, it's uh, cause I want to be, I want to say it's, it's not just that it's like a sinful thing to think like we're committing a sin, but also it's, it's a, a sinful nature thing of us to do as far as humans to think like, well, I should know everything that God knows. Um, when like, if you remember like, well, what's the name of the tree that they ate from? It's the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. So anywho. This is one of my favorite Proverbs whenever I talk to people or whenever, and this is. All right. We'll wrap it up with 25 this proverb. Okay. It says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's to search out a matter is the glory of Kings. Hmm. And the way, when I read it, it just hit me. We will not always understand things. And it's to God's glory that we won't always understand things. But as we pursue things, we're still called to pursue wisdom and, and tell, uh, knowledge and things like that. We're st we're, we're, we still have the ability to do that. But when we're so bent and, and stuck on trying to find every piece and answer, all we're searching for is the glory of ourselves. Mm -hmm. our, go our God is the one who's glorified, even in the things that are concealed. We can trust him in the midst of it. So anyways, you right. said that. And I was like, Proverbs 25, 2. Boom. Here's the verse. So. And well, on that wonderful note, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. Um, just as a reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only resource of the Grove yeah. Church. We have all of our past message archive, as well as our uh, blog called Life and Limb, available on our website, grove.church. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you, you can also uh, give financially to support the ministry of the Grove Church. Same place, website, grove.church. There's a little give button in the top right corner. And obviously, we really appreciate that as well. Yes. We love you guys. Appreciate you. you have a great day. Have a great week. Week. Sorry. My bad. Wow. I'm just back from COVID. Okay. <laughs> see see you, everybody.